you guys doing? Good here. Uh, but you guys already know that. Um, another Wednesday, <clears throat> in case you missed it episode or did you miss it? Then that's what I decided to call it. Um, last week was the very second, the the, the, the the very first interview I did with the second episode um, that aired on the podcast. And so I'm going back through and I'm like, which one do I want to put up? I don't want to do each episode. I don't want to go in numerical order, I don't think. Um, that may change. Um, but I don't want to go in numerical order just, just because of that reason there. Of I'm running out of stuff to do, so yada, 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 yada. Um, so no, I'm not going to go in numerical order. But... Yeah, I got another early episode for you guys today. Um, by the way, I'm sounding echoey here because I am actually, I just got back from vacation, as you guys know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then, let's see, I was home. I got home Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Three days later after I got back, I left. And I came to New Orleans and I have some meetings here for the podcast, and I have a bunch of sponsorship opportunities that I'm looking at, and I'm meeting with a bunch of people, people that want to start a podcast on the production company. So I'm here in New Orleans in an apartment, and I was bringing my laptop because I wasn't planning on recording anything. And then I have a podcast uh, later, <clears throat> later, um, later tonight as I'm recording, but you guys will... Um, hear that uh, a little while later so it does sound i didn't bring my microphone or anything because i wasn't planning on working um and then i scheduled i had a night free and someone wanted to do a podcast so i scheduled it so it does sound echoey and that's why i don't have a microphone don't have none of my equipment here i just have my laptop my headphones i don't have my mixer my sinker my microphone i don't have anything like that so and i'm a little stuffy we're going back and forth from Tennessee to Mississippi, now to New Orleans, Louisiana. And my allergies and my sinuses are crazy. So we're going to go to an earlier episode of the podcast. This is episode 61 of the podcast, and it is Forrest Galante. And Forrest Galante is the guy from uh, Animal Planets Extinct or Alive. And I remember when the, first, the show first came out, and I was like, wow, I wonder what this is. And I enjoyed it, and I found the guy on Instagram, and I sent an email and we set it up and then season two came along i was trying to get him booked trying to get a book trying to get a book and we couldn't do it uh then he went to joe rogan and now we just he ignores my emails my calls my everything because i'm apparently air quotes too small for his air quote big business so a uh, little throw out there of forrest galante but i'll let you guys know because this is a good podcast <clears throat> it's very informative and very interesting and i had him before joe rogan did so up yours joe rogan <laughs> here is in case you missed it uh this is episode 61 of the hodgepodge podcast the early years forrest galante all right so i'm sitting here with forrest galante on the phone um so Let's start right here. Um, like I said, when I was talking to you, we started to circle and go full circle. So the season one finale of Extinct or Alive aired around the end of July. So 
is there any uh, things you want to spoil here? Is there going to be a season two? Has it got picked up yet? Do you know anything like that? Um, unfortunately, I don't have that information yet. There's nothing I can share there. Sure. Uh, you know, fingers crossed. Anybody who likes the show, I fully encourage you to support it by uh, putting Animal Planet now. Um, but the thing is, this is what I do for a career. So regardless of, uh, of TV shows, I will continue to pursue this. Cool, man. So, um, again, I appreciate you doing this. And I was channel surfing um, a few months ago, and it said extinct or alive. And I, lo I love anything animals, um, like Net Geo Wild, etc., etc. So I love stuff like that. Yeah. So I seen extinct or alive, and I was like, ah, oh, what is this? And it was the, the Tasmanian tiger. And from that moment, man, I was hooked. So just for a second here, talk about how that show came about, how Naked and Afraid is Naked and Afraid. Or I'm sorry, not Naked. Yeah, Naked and Afraid. You go on Naked and Afraid, and then you get extinct or alive. So how did you get uh, Naked and Afraid, and how did that um, in regenerate to extinct or alive? Sorry, I stumbled on my words there. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, look, that's a familiar story, but, you know, long story short, I grew up in Southern Africa. Sure. I was always, um, always in the bush, always around wildlife. And then, you know, uh, I was always very focused on that through college, post-college. I knew I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. Mm -hmm. And I worked with increasingly rare, uh, high-risk wildlife. And then, um, you know, I was a biologist working on all kinds of contracts, uh, doing all kinds of different biological work and then one day I was sitting on the couch uh, with my girlfriend and she said to me oh look at this show this you should do this this would be fun you do the survival stuff just to get out further than everybody else in practice uh -huh. like wildlife science and I'm like yeah that's a good idea um, you know sent in an email uh, and you know, a couple weeks later I was on a plane to Panama um, now fast forward you know show came out show being naked and afraid I did this 21 day survival challenge in Panama um, show came out and uh, it was very well received. I, I did really well. I got a sort of incredibly high from the survival rating and all this different stuff. But I had this little window of opportunity with which to um, kind of explore media. And as opposed to what would happen was all these reporters started contacting me and they contact me and they said, Tell me about Naked Afraid. Tell me about running around the jungle naked. Sure. You know, eating oysters and having a partner. And I'd say, yeah, cool, I can talk about that. Um, you know, here's some information. I did this, I did that. But, you know, what's way more interesting is the work I do with wildlife. I'm a biologist. Here's a picture of me, you know, capturing a 20-foot anaconda in the Amazon and putting a tag in it. Or here's, here's me working with lions in Southern Africa. And then all these reporters that originally reached out about Nature Brave were like, oh, my God, this is far more interesting than, um, than, than you know, the Naked Reality Show. And that led to a flurry of uh, news stories, articles, things on CNN, the Daily Mail, the Telegraph about this biologist who did all this crazy high-risk wildlife work with endangered animals, and this biologist to me. Uh, now, skip forward a little bit again, and uh, I get introduced to a producer down in Los Angeles who goes, man, I'm a huge wildlife guy. I, I, I love wildlife. I love what you do. Um, let's do a show. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I've been on TV once. Well, I'm pretty happy being a biologist. I would have to get you to GDE. say, Bill, I have this great concept. And the name was different at the time, but, but you know, the show is this great concept with Extinct, extinct or Alive. Sure. And uh, we sat down, we had brunch of all things, and um, <laughs> we kind of rounded out the idea, and, and he told me how he pitched the network and everything else, and um, it 
from that point to where we got a season one was nearly three years, but, um, you know, because of how long it took to do these expeditions and plan everything and, and yada yada, and, um, and sure enough, uh, now the show's out, it's, it's done very well. Right, and I'm just going to say this, guy, you, you are one crazy SOB. Um, you, uh, there, was one episode, <laughs> there was one episode I was watching, and um, I think it, was, it may have been the same episode, um, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I watched because I, I watched the I think there was like eight or nine episodes of the first season, and I watched them all back to back. So there was one where you were in the jungle and you you quickly said, "Holy crap, look at this!" and it's a snake, and it was a big old giant boa constrictor thing, and you picked it up, put it over your shoulder, and then later on that night you were looking for one of the, one of the extinct or alive animals you were looking for, and you stood out there no flashlight, sat in the middle of a freaking jungle and so so what would happen if let's say you had no flashlight or, or you had a flashlight you just weren't turning on you were waiting for them to come to that trap and eat whatever you set out for them what would happen if an animal did come up behind you and, and, and it was it was growling i mean do, do, are you i know you're a wildlife biologist but were you are you i don't really know what that stands for but like are you technical in if, if this animal attacks i know how to get away what to do to keep it away that makes any sense. Um, yeah, look, I, th- I think the question you might be asking is, you know, do I have a firearm or any ability to protect myself? And the short answer is no. Um, you know, I take what I consider to be calculated risks. Um, is, is it crazy to the average person? Yeah, probably. But I also understand the behavior patterns better than the average person. So, you know, do I know that there's a risk sitting in a blind, putting out a distressed bond pole in wolf territory? I understand that completely, but for me, the, um, the overwhelming excitement and thrill of being able to experience, you know, these wolves coming into the collar or run right beside me um, outweighs the risk associated with what could happen if things went wrong. Sure. So, you, to me, you are um, the next Steve Irwin, the next Crocodile Hunter, just for... Um, just, not just crocodiles or snakes, just in wildlife in general. Um, so, I mean, I was a big fan of that guy growing up, and so to see somebody kind of step forward into the footsteps, it, it puts a real appreciation on you. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. I mean, he, I'm not an old guy, so I grew up with him as well. And um, he, uh, he was a huge inspiration to me as a kid. I mean, growing up in Africa, if I didn't, you know, <laughs> I wasn't in the bush catching snakes. I, if I ever had the TV on, it was watching him. So that's a huge, huge compliment, and I, I admire that man greatly. So it's um, interesting, really, to be in, in that position. Right. So before I get any more questions, I want to do a little, um, I, I do kind of a hodgepodge games here. Um, so I got six, it's going to be really fast questions, and let's see how good of the wildlife biologist you are. So this is called Which Animal with Forrest Galante. So sure. first question, which animal has the strongest bite? Uh, strong down force or up force? That's two different answers. No, uh, do both. I have both of them here. Both. Okay. Well, the it's the crocodile and the hyena is my understanding. Cool. Okay. Um, which animal has the strongest sense of smell? Hmm. Have to be some kind of canine. Couldn't couldn't say off the top of my head. Probably um, a wolf. Am I I, right? I have a bear here. Um, I don't know how accurate mine is. Interesting. But I have a bear. Um, could be. Could be. No, it could be. Go on, I, I like this, it's fun. Sure. Um, which animal has the strongest immune system? <laughs> strongest immune system? Uh, 
I don't know if you consider it an animal, but it would have to be some kind of bacterial amoeba. Okay, I have um, alligator written down here, but I'm pretty sure that's one of them. You're the, you're the biologist, <laughs> that's not That's a little more generic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, which animal has the strongest kick? Strongest kick? Uh, I, I, have two, I have two answers written down here, um, so I can take both or just one if or whatever, you know. Either, I imagine, giraffe or red kangaroo. Uh, it's a giraffe or a cassowary bird. Is that how you say it? Cassowary uh, bird? Oh, yeah. I've been chased around the jungle by cassowaries. They're terrifying. <laughs> um, which animal is the biggest animal in the world? I mean, I'm pretty sure anybody can guess this. The blue whale. That's correct. Um, which animal is the smallest animal in the world? The smallest animal in the world. Hmm. I mean, are we talking mammal or microbial or how, what scale are we on here? Um, I guess just... An animal in general. I just searched this into Google <laughs> and went to the website. <laughs> um, there's an animal called a water bear that might be the smallest animal in the world. Um, what I have is the Etruscan shrew. Oh yeah, no, this I, is like this is like could fit in the eyeball of a shrew. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So my calculations <laughs> was wrong. You're the biologist here, not me. <laughs> so I, I want I want to go back to. Um, your 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 growing up life. So you were born in the USA, according to ForrestGalante.com, but then you were raised in Zimbabwe. Why? What what was the generate uh, the 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 generating between USA and Zimbabwe? What was your parents? Well, why dad, did they? Why did you go to Zimbabwe? Well, my family it's six generations in Zimbabwe, so my family is black and white, and white people been in America. Let's put it that way. Um, and uh, but my dad, however, is American, so. My mom and dad got married. They lived in America for a while, and I was born here. And um, I flew back over when I was several months old. I can't remember, believe it or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, your mom was one of uh, America's or um, Africa's first female pilots. So, what was that like? Growing up in Africa with your with your mom being a female pilot, or just being a pilot in general, because I know if you're, you're, you, if any one of your parents or someone you're related to is a pilot, that means you're going to spend a lot of your time in the air, in the plane with them. Well, am, I, am I correct? He was a push pilot, so we had very small push uh, push planes. So it was a big pilot, and they'd be sitting on a person flight or something like that. No, no, this was uh, different to that. Um, and uh, it was great. I mean, I, I flew all over really remote central Africa. I've been in two plane crashes, and I'm still here. And um, it's uh, it was it was an amazing way to grow up. I mean, you know, literally the sky's the limit when uh, when your family runs small small planes into safari camps. Sure. So uh, you got into wildlife at a very young age, as you stated before. What? drew you to animals i mean because a little kid i mean they're 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 military they're they're guns army you know stuff like that what drew you to animals um well i didn't have exposure to you know cars guns sure, sure, that sure. kind of stuff i grew up on a farm and uh, my family like i said had safari businesses so i think was you know i was just always surrounded by wildlife and uh you know the thing that used to happen a lot was i'd be in camp and when you're five years old can't exactly go running around the bush by yourself. I mean, you will get eaten. It's not not like going camping you know, sure. in North America. Um, and so, uh, you know, I would be the one stuck in camp while my my family was out running a safari, and I'd be flipping over walnuts and and you know grabbing snakes and spiders and putting them in jars. And you know, I just it, it just uh, <laughs> I t- 
tell this story a lot, which is, uh, you know, remember when you're a kid and you flip over a log and see an earthworm, you're like, yes. oh my God, look at that earthworm. You know, that's right. amazing. You get fascinated by it. Right. Most people grow out of that, right? I right, right, right. I want to know more about the earthworm. I want to know what made it tick, how big it got, you know, where it came from, all that kind of stuff. So I just, uh, you know, I was always surrounded by wildlife and the fascination just continued to grow. Right, right. So, as we've said it before, we went over the naked and afraid thing, but I want to go back to the naked and afraid and then hit on um, Extinct or Alive a little bit more before we get off here because I know you're short on time. Sure. But uh, on, sure. on, on, on naked and afraid, I watch it all the time. We see, you know, they strip down and then they meet the person and then they go on with their lives, try to hit the three or four weeks they're supposed to survive. What is the toughest part um, about you being on naked and afraid? I mean, because there's cameras and all that. It, 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 what is the toughest part about it? Or what was the toughest part for you um, in general? I mean, I think everybody has a different answer to this question because I'm, I'm pretty good friends with a number of people that have done that show. Right. Um, and, and look, it's, a, it's, a, it's the real deal, right? Nothing is fake at all in the sense that they dump you out in the middle of the bush and you have nothing and you're not supposed to like engage with the camera team. You're supposed to get on with your life. And it's, it's tough. So, you know, for me, what was the most difficult was probably the constant exposure to the elements. Like, you're never temperate without clothes, you know what I mean? You're either too hot or too cold kind of all the time. Right. Um, but overall, like, if you see my episode, I didn't, didn't struggle with it. I, in fact, enjoyed it and was pretty smiley and had a really good time. Um, other people, I know the food thing is the biggest thing. Like, they really struggle not having enough calories and, and losing all the weight and losing energy. Um, but uh, we actually didn't struggle as far as lack of food. A uh, big part of that, the location we were in was just, you know, it was just so abundant. And being a biologist, I was able to identify a lot of the wild edibles. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's different for everybody. I think the psychological factor versus the physical factor is a big question. And for me, it was uh, it was probably the physical factor of the exposed gentleman. So was it weird being on Naked and Afraid, being with, another naked woman other than your girl? I mean, I know this is a weird question, but I, I, this is what I think about. This is what I have thoughts when I'm watching. Was it weird being with a with another naked woman besides, you know, your, your girlfriend, etc.? <laughs> yeah, it's such a funny thing because even being in my position, sitting here in, in my home, watching TV, I go, oh, that's weird. But when you're in the situation, sure. the sexuality, the nudity, none of that matters. It's about survival. And, like, there's nothing erotic about it, there's nothing attractive about it, you're filthy, you're muddy, you're broke, you're, you know, you're just skimping by to survive, and, um, and therefore, no, it's not weird. You get over the nudity thing within, I'd say, 30 minutes of meeting the person, and then that's it. You're just, you're just getting on with the sound. So, you go from naked and afraid, and then three years later, you land, or, or you land the Extinct or Alive show. So, of all season, I think there's eight episodes. I don't want to be incorrect, but I don't have my math here. I think there's eight or nine episodes of the first season. What was, to me, mine was the my favorite was the Tasmanian um, tiger. Um, what was one of your favorite things that you got to um, realize if it was extinct or alive or investigate? Well, look, they're they're all different, and you know, I'm I'm biased in the sense that to me, all wildlife is fantastic, from from earthworms to leopards, but. Um, it, I think the most exciting one for me was, of course, the Zanzibar leopard, and the reason being that we actually captured crystal clear HD video footage of an animal believed to be extinct for 25 years. Sure. So, um, you know, the, the out 
outcome of that outweighs any of the searching for any of the other creatures or sure. you know side encounters or anything. The fact that we were actually able to show an animal that has been believed extinct for twenty five years and a big you know hundred pound cat, not a little animal, was overwhelmingly exciting. Sure. So we we got about um, thirteen minutes here, ten minutes so, somewhere around there. So I want to try to get just a little bit more out. Um, not a lot. Um, no not brain a busters, not a but, but there was one episode in general. I don't remember what episode it was because I don't have the listings here. But there was you, you got the um, um, the thermal camera out, out on a drone, and you were seeing. I think it was. I think it was one of the a tiger or. Wolf or something like that, and you've seen that it ran so fast and it was so tall, and you said that has to be this because nothing else is like that. But are you, yeah. are you one hundred percent sure the time you see that, if you haven't seen it with your own eyes, that it's that type of animal? I mean, do you go back and do, do you go not. back and do further absolutely research? Not. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Look, okay. as a okay. scientist, there's actually two different instances where we captured thermal footage that I would have said, you know, that's the animal. But as a scientist, you have to be skeptical and cannot say 100% that's it, confirms, done deal, it doesn't work that way. You know, you can do that, you can do that emotionally and have that emotional attachment to something, but the reality is without, you know, clear proof, genetic material, uh, you know, clear imagery, it is not a proven thing. So, you know, I, I, I think you're referring to where we had two wolves on the thermal throne correct, running side correct. by side in Newfoundland. Correct. Look, we're... We're over 100 miles from where the nearest domestic dog could be. Right. It's way bigger than any coyote in history. You know, they're massive, big canines. They're running in a sense that anybody who's ever seen a wolf or even a big dog run goes, yep, that's a big canine. Um, so to me, it, it's, you know, it's pretty obvious what it was. But can I say with 100% confidence that we, we found wolves? No, I cannot because we have thermal image. We do not have genetic viable material. And I am a... I'm a true scientist, and so I go in with a very skeptical mind. Okay, sure. So let, let, let's let's get away from the business sense, and for a few minutes, while we still have a little time, let's just let's just shoot the bull real quick. So, um, when you're on the road, what do you like? When you're on the road, flying or something, do you watch any kind of movies, any kind of TV shows that you're that you're enjoying right now at the moment? Uh, I think, well, at the moment, man, I finished Westworld not too long ago, and that was. Um, I love Game of Thrones. Um, you know, I read a lot of pretty dense, pretty heavy biological literature, which is not something that's very fun to talk about as far as, like, entertainment value. Sure. Um, I mean, I, re I, read, I read a lot as well. I mean, all I read is uh, autobiographies, biographies. You know, it's very hard to purchase a book for them if you're going to get it for Christmas or something. It's very difficult. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. But, you know, what I ask you about when I'm traveling, I mean, when I'm on the road, I'm with my crew. And my crew is basically a collection of my best friends at this point because we've been all over the world through some hellish expeditions together. And we, we spend a lot of time just, just chatting and, like you said, shooting the shit and hanging out. And, uh, you know, of course, we're ready to watch movies and all of that, too. But it's, uh, it's a lot of time spent with, you know, what I would call my, my closest group of friends. And uh, it's yeah. very enjoyable. Right. So um, I'm going to talk about heroes real quick. So the reason I'm doing this podcast, uh, two heroes. Um, pretty, I don't know if you know them. You may. Howard Stern and uh, Bobby Bones. So those are the two that are that that are very big in my mind. So with you being a, a wildlife biologist and an animal expert, uh, who who or, or just in general, who comes to your mind as heroes or mentors? Well, 
you named one already, and that, of course, is yeah, yeah. a traditional wildlife biologist, but his ability to bring exposure, excitement, and the love of nature to millions of people worldwide is something that any true biologist should admire, um, in my opinion. So that's, that's you know, a huge one. Um, obviously, there's the, the Charles Darwin's and people like that that, you know, are models to all scientists. Sure. Um, and then my biggest personal role model was actually my grandfather, who okay. I would not say was a biologist, but he wasn't. He joined the, joined the Army at 15 to fight in World War II. Um, but he, you know, he lived in Africa. He was a naturalist in every sense of the word, and just a great, a great adventurer and explorer who always focused his attention on wildlife, even though he didn't have any formal scientific training. True. So... Uh... Being a wildlife biologist, uh, kind of winding down here, how long of school is that? I mean, because it's a scientist. I mean, you're, you're you're a scientist. So how how long of school is that? Because I know a doctor is like eight to ten years. So how long is a, a, a wildlife biologist? Well, there's multiple there's multiple routes through that path, right? You can out at a good university. You can do your master's. You can do your PhD. You can do uh, you know undergrad plus field work for experience and volunteer work. Um, and I think the, the true answer is you are never finished schooling as a biologist. You're, uh, you're always learning. The world is too big and too diverse. You know, you can be certified as a wildlife biologist after about four years, but you can never truly finish being a student of wildlife biology because the field is extremely broad. And, um, and honestly, it's, it's fascinating. Right. So... On the road, you watch movies. What kind of music do you do, do you listen to in your my life? So, like my favorite band um, of all time is Aerosmith. My favorite artist is John Mayer. I also listen to country. What, what about you? I'm pretty diverse, man. I mean, sure, I had uh, every album yesterday. Just driving, and I had the country playlist on, which I haven't had on in ages. Uh, I've been on. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with the genre tropical house music, okay. um, but it's just kind of like happy tropical music with the tones and kind of some house DJ stuff in it. That's like really, really good background music and sure. got a good vibe. I mean, it, it's all over the place. I love the people. It's a real mixed bunch. Yeah. So, well, man, I think that's going to do it. Um, but I want to thank you before we get off here. I want to thank you for doing this. You're probably, besides Murph from Practical Jokers, you are the biggest guy, star guy I've had on this show. And I want to thank you for um, I, I mean, I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm 20 years old doing this from a house. I'm, I'm sitting in a, 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 a like a little closet room trying to get away from the noise. So I appreciate you doing this. <laughs> it's my pleasure, man. And good for you. And good for doing the podcast. It's great. You have great questions. You're an awesome host. And, uh, you know, congratulations <laughs> on your podcast. I hope it does really well for you. Well, I appreciate it. So I want to, uh, so um, before we get off here, Forrest, uh, my Instagram and Twitter is at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. Uh, what is, go ahead and get out your socials and all that. Uh, yeah, so to get on mine, um, it's just my name, Forrest Delante, F O R R Q R E S T T A L A N T E. And if you search that on any of them, I, I don't have a lot of the younger ones, but I've got, uh, I've got, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and um, yeah, I'd appreciate anybody that wants to check them out. There's a lot of my life content. Sure, and um, I looked on the um, on DirecTV this morning, so there's a two-hour, I think it's the very first episode, it's a two-hour, I guess it's a replay, two-hour replay of 
animal planets extinct or alive so it's coming on my time about eight o'clock central so you guys need to go check that out it's a very good show appreciate you doing this forced thanks dylan thanks for having me